Welcome to the Golf Betting System Podcast 78. This episode covers the Memorial Tournament on the PGA Tour and the Belgian Knockout on the European Tour. This podcast is for listeners of 18 and above. I'm Steve Bamford, PGA Tour Preview at Golf Betting System, and with me we have European Tour expert Paul Williams. Good morning, Paul. Morning, Steve. How's things? We're all right. Not too bad, thank you. Good. Golfbettingsystem.co.uk is our website. Naturally, we are available on social media. You can join our Golf Betting System Facebook group. A link is available in the description box. We had loads of people joining that last week, Paul. Mm, yeah. and I don't know if that was the shout that we put out on the podcast. But just to revisit that, Golf Betting System Facebook group, we're coming up to almost 5,000. Yeah, it's getting close. Go- just ticked over yeah. four, four eights, I think it was, over the last couple of weeks. So, yeah, getting close golf- to that 5,000 mark. Yeah, like-minded golf punters, betters, DraftKings players. So, uh, very, very worthwhile you joining that if you're a Facebook member. I'm at Bamford Golf on Twitter. Paul is at Golf Betting. Look out for the Golf Betting System YouTube channel where I present the Golf Betting Show every week. I've recorded those already today for both the Belgian Knockout and for the Memorial Tournament. I will place links to those in the description box. This podcast is available on Podbean, iTunes, Spotify, Audio Boom, YouTube. You, you know the you know the coup. Now, naturally, subscribe and follow the podcast. That is our currency. It's uh, it's amazing how iTunes refers to the reviews and the ratings that you, the listeners, give. And we have seen a huge uplift in our positions over here in the United Kingdom and the Republic of Ireland. And that is due to you guys reviewing and rating us. So if you could take time to do that this week... Of course, I will read your review out on the podcast next week. We have a review from last week. It is entitled An Essential Listen with five stars. It is from Ian A, who is in Great Britain. So, Ian, thank you for the time that you spent on this. He writes, this podcast is unmissable. If you bet seriously on golf and don't have time for research or just want to hear other opinions and some in-depth analysis, these guys do it all for you and they do it properly. Ian, much appreciated. Thank you for your time and for your review. Yeah, thanks, Ian. Right, should we review? let's review what happened last week, shall we? Um, Colonial. Charles Fobb challenge. He was everywhere, that Charles Fobb. Whenever I turned it on, he was standing there. I was surprised he weren't doing putting for some of them. In <laughs> fact, he could have probably putted better than Francesco Molinari, to be fair to him. But um, It didn't quite happen for Frankie, did it? No, that was one of the points I was going to raise with you. He seems to post Augusta. That's hit him hard, isn't it? And all of a sudden, um, he was hitting it to four, five, six feet on a lot of holes, a lot of par fives, and you're thinking that's a birdie, and then he'd miss the four footer, mm. and that's going back to Francesco, you know, pre fantastic run last year, wasn't it? Yeah, a bit, yeah. But I think it'll it will come back. His approach game, his tee to green game is still in decent enough shape. It was just the putt, the, the putting's letting him down right now. It's, it's surprising because he has. If there's one part of his game that has stepped up to the next level for Francesco Molinari it is his putting yeah you know we've, we've always known how good he is from tee to green back from the yep. European do- tour days but um, 
you know, at, at that point, he, he did struggle with a putter. And, uh, you know, it was it was rare that you'd see a, a, an event where he was nailing these kind of mid-range, you know, six, yeah. eight, ten-foot putts with regularity. But that changed, you know, and you could see he'd stepped up to the next level um, when, you know, with, with the results he was getting, his PGA Tour win, his, his Open Championship win, of course. Um, yeah, I think it's temporary. I, I, don't, I don't think there's anything to materially worry about there just uh, just a little bit of lack of form with the putter and it will, it will come back round again but as you say the ball striking in general wasn't, uh, wasn't too, too bad. bad he's scrambling he was number one in the field for scrambling yep. he was 80% on scrambling so yeah, his game's there or thereabouts it's just it's just keep, keeping an eye on the on the putter with mm. Francesco and seeing if that starts to warm getting on him um, Kevin Nahr was a very worthy uh, winner that's three PGA Tour of his, uh, wins now for um, Kevin, yep. um, and that was it was just composed, wasn't it? It was. It got to the stage where I was almost switching on the European election results over and over <laughs> the uh, goal because it was just so obvious that yeah. Kevin was going to win. Must have been bad. And, and Tony can't win, won't win was not really chasing him down a, mm. a great deal. Um, and it was just comfortable, wasn't it? Yeah. All of his three PGA Tour victories have all been on pure bent grass. Yeah, it was. It was so. It, there, there was no no real stress, was there? And uh, you know, he, he kind of got himself into that position where he was two, three, four shots ahead, wasn't he? And um, showed no signs of collapse, yeah, did he? Really? There was no wobble for him. There was no real charge from anyone else. I mean, early in the day. Um, Brad Schnedeker had a decent round going. Not that I don't I think he would have got close enough to it, but um, no, yeah. but he would have got a nice each way place for us. Yeah, potentially until yeah. he started throwing double bogeys at the situation. Yeah, I, I had him as part of one of my juicier um, DraftKings teams as well. So when he was going well, that was that was pushing pushing on nicely, but um, he couldn't keep that going either, could he? Unfortunately, when you see guys on a hot run, you they usually keep it going to the end, don't they? Well, invariably, a... when you're on them, though, that often that, all, all of a sudden there's a double bogey around the corner. Yeah, he, he just threw two in for luck. Yeah, I mean, on, on a Sunday when you're off the pace, some of these players can maintain it for for 18 holes, can't they? And uh, and backdoor that top five or top eight, or get you some decent DK points or whatever it is, just from uh, from you know a flying final round. But yeah, he couldn't, couldn't quite keep it going, could he, unfortunately? I was looking for four key stats last week. Kevin Nahr ticked all far, four boxes. The only mm. issue was that they were all the all four boxes were ticked from last season. Yeah. But, as he said in his winner's interview, there's, a, there's three or four courses on the tour that are short enough to know that that's where he can win. Yeah. And that's, I suppose, what you've got to bear in mind, isn't it, with Kevin? Somewhere like a harbour town, a colonial, a Summerlin, where length really isn't much of a a plus point. No, no. When when it's it suits, very very impressive. Yeah, when it suits, he's a, he's a good player, and he takes a bit of stick, doesn't he? But um, you know, he's, he's clearly well capable. As you say, three time PGA Tour winner now, so you don't you don't fluke three wins in a career. It's, uh... He uh, he snuck into the world's top fifty, I believe, mm. which. Gets him an automatic spot. It was the cutoff last weekend for the Open. Yeah. Or one of the cutoffs. So Nar snuck in, I believe, which was an interesting concept. So yeah, he's fifty second. So he was outside. That yeah. win dr- drives him up to thirty first. There were a couple of others that snuck in as well. Jimbo, he snuck up from fifty one to fifty yeah. to get an invite to uh, Royal Portrush. As did Andrew Putnam. 
who got that good finish as well. Yeah, this will be on their minds, won't it? You know, they'll be acutely aware of where they're sitting on the uh, the world rankings coming into a big event or any kind of event, particularly with a cutoff looming. So, uh, a little bit of extra incentive to uh, to have a decent week or to to not to take the foot off the gas at the end if uh, if, if you're in a position to to find that position you need to uh, to get yourself into the top fifty. Where are you with uh, Where are you with Jordan? Um... I think that a lot of people were expecting him to make a Sunday charge and put Kevin under a lot of pressure, and that Kevin would collapse. Yeah, but it never happened. Well, he couldn't make couldn't make a birdie on Sunday, could he? And you know, from the sheer yardage of uh, putts that he'd made up until that point in the week, you were expecting him to, uh, to 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 make a few red numbers, but it just didn't happen. It just didn't happen at all. Did I see on the coverage that? If he had a, if he was going to have just a moderate performance on the greens on Sunday, he was going to set a new PGA Tour record for the amount of feet made in a golf tournament. Oh, it was obscene, wasn't it? Particularly that first round, he was just nailing everything from everywhere, wasn't he? It, it just, uh, just an incredible feat. And his strokes gain, gain putting has been trending positively for a while now, and uh, clearly that element of his game is. Is back to where you'd expect it to be for a player like Jordan Spieth. You know, notwithstanding he didn't make anything on Sunday, but you know, it's, in general, he's moving far, faster and far faster forward in that respect. And the rest of his game comes round. He's going to be, he's going to be competitive again. He's not far off, I don't think. Sixty-fifth for fairways, thirty-fifth for greens in regulation. He was seventieth for proximity to hole. First in distance in putts made. He made 480 feet of putts. <laughs> now, it's interesting because he plays Muirfield this week. Mm. So this will be his last outing before the US Open. And as we know with US Open winners, you want players that are finding confidence with the driver and who are very, very you know under control with their approach playing irons. So if there is a massive step forward from, with Spieth on his tee to great green game this week, he has to be a factor at Pebble Beach at the US Open. Does the uh, the Poana not put you off Pebble Beach? Well, he's won there. Well, <laughs> yes, I, that's, that's he's got he's got three of his wins. Three of his PGA Tour wins are on Poana or bent grass mixed Poana green. So yeah. no, it doesn't really put me off. It's always been his his least favourite of surfaces, but uh, see, for me, if the part of his game that's flying is the putter, and there's any reason that that could be dampened by that particular, course, oh yeah, 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 no, then, I agree with you. Say, yeah, it's an interesting disagree. dilemma. It's an interesting dilemma because I think, have to I think he, he would need to make a huge, huge step change this week at Muirfield Village in mm. terms of his strokes gain off the tee, his strokes gain approach. If the putter falls away this week, who cares? Because we know it's there in the background. He would need to make a massive, massive, massive jump to get me interested. But, you know, US Opens uh, tend to be won with a very, very good driver, a long driver. And this this comes out in my US Open preview that we've got a link through to in the description box of the podcast. But I remember when GMAC won in 2010... I think he was in the top five for driving accuracy. He was in the top ten, or I think he was in, even in the top ten for driving distance. Yeah, he was number one for greens in regulation. 
And if they get the conditions where they want them at the US Open, it isn't Mike Davis doing the setup this year, so we might actually get a half-playable golf course. Yeah. But it will be thick rough. There will be lightning-fast greens if they can get them. And as we know at Pebble, the greens are so small, you're going to need to have a scrambling and short game to, to win around there. But inevitably, Tinter <coughs> Green is likely to win it. Yes. And like you said... You know, you can't take a Jordan Spieth at the moment who's purely competitive on the basis of a unrealistically great putting performance week in, week out. No, because you're best will in the world, you're not going to do that every single week. No. Nah. If you're if you're banging it 30 yards left or right in, on some of these holes at Pebble Beach, it's going to be treble bogey country. Yeah. Which puts me off Phil Mickelson, so... Yeah, there's a, there's a few players with decent Pebble records that's, um, that aren't quite hitting it off the tee at the moment it's going to be an interesting one to try and unravel actually as it is every week Paul mm. yes um, you came reasonably close last week with Pablo didn't you in, in Denmark yeah in Denmark cracking event I really enjoy that Danish event to be fair I love the walkthrough through the beer tent. That was brilliant. Yeah. We, you and I have got to go there. <laughs> there's, I there's, can imagine standing there for a couple of hours, giving it high fives to all the players as, as you're in your 18th Heineken. Yeah, I expect uh, it gets more and more raucous as the day progresses, doesn't it? So, uh, uh, But yeah, no, it looked, looked like great fun. And, and you've got to, got to applaud the European Tour and a lot of these little initiatives that they're picking up and uh, trying yeah. to make the... The whole concept of golf more attractive, but clearly um, attracting more um, people to the course to watch the events, and uh, you know more spectators equals more money equals more um, excitement and interest in the sport. So, uh, so hats off to them. I think it's some some really good stuff that they're doing in general over in the European Tour. But yeah, in terms of the event itself, the two that made it through to the weekend were Benjamin Ebier, um, who was in decent spot um, for the first round or two, and then slowly drifted away. And Pablo Larathabel. And Pablo, um, he played in the worst of the wind on Thursday. Um, so he was out in the afternoon when it was particularly nasty. He played when it was lashing down with rain on, th- on Friday morning, which he absolutely hates. And when I saw it was raining on f- Friday morning, my heart sunk because I know that Pablo, if there's one thing that he can't... He can play in wind, he's fine. But when it's windy and rainy, he's just... Uh, he just really struggles, and it, to, to be fair to him, he managed to uh, to get himself round on, th- on Friday morning, um, you know, largely unscathed, um, decent round on Saturday, and then made a decent charge of it on Sunday morning, and got himself into a share of the lead at the back of the back of the front nine, five under through his first nine holes, and um, at that point he had a chance. I, mean, I know the the likes of Wiesberger and McIntyre still had a, a hole or two on him, and they were birdieable holes, but. Um, you know, you, you can do no more than put yourself into that position after nine holes. And um, I, I did have a, a bit of hope that he could push on and uh, and, and produce that. What you know, what, what would have needed to have been a sixty-one, sixty-two to really, really give himself a chance. But uh, alas, it didn't happen on the back nine for him. But uh, yeah, he managed to just about hang on to a full place for us with the eight places each way that were being paid by Boyles last week and. Uh, Turned it into a profitable week altogether, and um, just a bit disappointing as always to get one who's in in the mix, you know, relatively late on a Sunday and then uh, fall away a little bit. But it will come. 
It has to come. Say V. Ben Wiesberger, I mean, we've talked about his performance. We've talked about him on the pod. We've mentioned we've him a couple about... of times in recent months, haven't we? Recent weeks. Ben, yeah. I tipped him up a few weeks ago. And all, but at an event which was, as you highlighted, a putters event, you would never, ever put Ben Wiesberger up as someone that was going to top the putting average stats for the week. No. But that's I... what he did. Yeah. <laughs> And it, you look back through his recent performances, and he's putting at the one point eight, it's close to one point nines, and you know yeah. I, I I had a good look at him. I did did have a good look at him because there were a few points that really correlated well with him. But um, yeah, my assertion for this event was that it was you needed a, a hot putter, and that didn't look like Bernd Wiesberger. Yet yeah, he's come out, he's putted with an average of one point six zero. He's been top for putts per GR in, in the whole field and uh, he's won the golf tournament despite that wobble on the 18th hole and uh, you know well done to him coming back from injury we know he's a quality player we've seen him win some decent events over over the years so uh, you know it'll be a welcome return to form for him and uh, see how he pushes on from here going forward what was his problem why did he disappear there was an injury of some description. I forget exactly what it was. It was either either a wrist or a back. I can't quite uh, right. quite recall off the top of my head. But yeah, there was something that was niggling away, and um, yeah, clearly he's he's got himself back into decent fitness and uh, back into the winner's circle as well. Tough on Robert McIntyre. That's the second time that he's finished uh, runner-up over the last few weeks, and uh, he looks like a decent uh, decent prospect. He does, yeah. That's two second places on the trot, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Is uh, and you know, could quite conceivably have won both of those events. Things have gone gone slightly his way than, rather than the, the eventual winners. So uh, he, he's not keep... scared, is he? No. He likes mixing it. No, and he was he was hundred to one for that event last week. Um, you know, clearly he hadn't that that second place finish at Hillside hadn't really resonated with the bookies. And and punters alike, and uh, it'd been largely ignored again. Yet uh, it came very, very close to winning at hundred to one. So one to keep an eye on, I think, over the next few weeks. We got the Memorial Tournament over in um, the states this week, mm. which is an invitational status event. Uh, it's Jack Nicholas's tournament. It's at Jack's place in Dublin, Ohio. It's his golf course. It's his design. He has complete control. And to be fair, it's always one of the best tournaments of the year, in my opinion. Always one that I look yeah, forward to massively. Uh, I think the coverage is always excellent. Um, McElroy, Woods, Rose, Thomas, Cantlay, Fowler, Kuchar, Spieth, Day, Finau, Matsuama, Schofley, Scott, DeChambeau, the defending champion, Woodland. You know, it's a cracking field. Henrik Stenson in there. It's also got depth to it as well. I mean, I, there aren't many tournaments where you see the likes of Martin Laird and Russell Knox on Saturday when the field was announced. They were alternates. Yeah. So it shows you the depth. They're in the field now for various dropouts, but they didn't automatically qualify. No, so it shows you the, it is a decent field. Decent very, tendon. very strong field. You got it. I mean, Louis Oosthuizen's in there. Lefty Mickelson. Tyrrell Hatton. You know, some very good players. Kisner. Uh it's interesting. Very, very interesting tournament. I always equate, in my mind, Memorial to the Cathedral of Ball Striking. Mm. It is ball striking, ball striking, ball striking around here. And there's a couple of things that I just, I'm just i going to point out which might not tally up with, with other 
views on on the golf course. But for me, it's a golf course that gets harder the closer the further down the hole you get. So actually, as a driving test, it's pretty simple. Um, the fairways, I think, are 35, 36 yards wide, which are almost 10, 10 yards wider than last week. Yeah, there'll be a no, noticeable difference versus Colonial, that's for sure, when you see it on the TV. But I think what you what uh, that that's kind of okay. So you're going to get even the wayward drivers hitting 60, 65% of fairways, which they're not used to. But that's you know that kind of is a leveler. But positioning here is critical, I think. Positioning, because what what tends to happen it's a second shot golf course, and where the where the real difficulty here is is in the green complexes, and they're typical Jack Nicklaus. Um, they're bent grass mixed with poana. They're pretty quick if they can be, and there is a lot of tilt. There is a lot of uneven putting surfaces so lots of swales um lots of runoff areas around greens and um you have to 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 be able to access the flatter part of the greens you need a pinpoint laser approach game and you know we review statistics each week what we're looking for take the last 10 win uh, nine winners here um, tour, tournament skill averages driving distance 37th so that just instantly tells you this isn't bomb and gouge yeah driving accuracy 21st greens in reg 11th proximity to hole 12th scrambling scrambling 11th and putting average down near the 20th 17th spot so actually greens in reg proximity to hole and scrambling that's what we're looking for here and if you can find a guy that can hit it Long and straight, like Deshambo did last year. You really are, um, or Deshambo did in the build-up. He wasn't that great off the tee as it goes in the end in terms of accuracy. Um, he was actually in the fifty-eighth for greens uh, for fairways hit, but even then he's still hitting sixty-two and a half percent of fairways. Mm. But what he was brilliant at was the, and, and in the build-up he had a very good greens and regulation game. Uh, he was ninth for proximity to hole. So I'm looking for players this week who have got that kind of ball-striking mentality. Very strong ball-striking on the way in. Guys that are comfortable with their approach play. Um, I think there's also something in here about um, players ju- just gen- generally have been playing some nice all-round golf. So if you're seeing players towards the top of the scoring average stats on the PGA Tour but haven't won recently, who have got a real desire to be getting a, a W on their resume, I don't think that's such a bad thing either. Because if you think about DeChambeau last year, he won his second PGA Tour victory here. It was 10 months after he'd won the John Deere Classic, but in the build-up, there'd been signs that he'd been, you know, I think, fourth at Quail Hollow. Yeah. He'd finished third at the RBC Heritage. So you know, he was playing some decent golf. And, yeah, and contending. Yeah, been showing some decent snippets of form, hasn't he? Which um, is, is never a bad thing for an all-round test like this, as you say. But when you get such a good field pool, you wouldn't expect the champions list to read Bryson DeChambeau, Jason Duffner, William McGirt, David Lingmuth, would you? No, no. There's, there, there's been a few shocks in there, isn't there? Some real long 
odds winners over the years. So. 50, 66s, McGirt 200s, David Lingmuth 500s. Good luck yeah, with that. But even Hideki Matsuama in 2014, that was when Matsuama was pretty much the new kid on the block, and that mm. was a 66 to 1 winner. Doesn't, I vaguely remember you picking up Justin Rose there. It was 80 to 1, I think it was, way back in the day. Wasn't yep. It? He'd finished 10th at Wentworth, the outing before mm. just about coming last at uh, Colonial. But this is that's the kind of thing I'm looking for. Yeah. That's the kind of thing I'm looking for. Someone that's. You'd need a. You know, ideally you've got. Because even William McGirt, he'd finished in the top eight or something at the RBC a few outings before he won here. Yep. Jason Duffner had been contending. In 2017, I'd had Duffner going out in the final group at the RBC Heritage and he capitulated. Then he comes here. I think he was like the 50, wasn't he? He was leading by four or five at halfway. Through, absolutely um, fell apart on the Saturday. Was four shots behind starting Sunday and then came back to, to yeah. take over from Ricky Fowler, who, as we know, isn't the best leader in the world. Yeah, yeah, no, I remember that one. So swing, but what what would you say about Jason Duffner when he's on form? Fairways and green man, isn't he? And he's a he's got a great approach play. Yeah, absolutely. Very stoical, very focused on that you know that part of his game, and it's just mm. yeah, churn out fairways and greens and uh, move on to the next hole. Anything I've missed from a course or what you're looking for perspective in your view? No, I think I think it's. Of of the courses and the, the events, it is relatively straightforward in the terms in terms of the type of player that you, you know, theoretically are looking for. Whether that actually translates to the eventual winner or not, um, as we know, is it can throw some some really odd results up. Um, I mean, Lingworth, as you said, if you're trying to work out how to have picked him and put him in your team, you'd you know, aside from a crystal ball, you'd have. Uh, You've done incredibly well to to find something in him, but uh, but no, I think ball striking's the, the 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 key angle of attack this week. The other thing with the PGA Tour of late, of course, is that the winner, winning prices have been long anyway, haven't they? Mm. You know, wasn't I think last week the average price winner at Colonial was something around the late twenty to one mark, thirty to one in the last nine years. Yeah, there'd been one winner at a hundred to one who'd been Boo Weekly, and then you've got a nice. Juicy sixty-six to one winner in Kevin Nar landing. So, you know, quality player who's actually what you think is slightly overpriced. I don't think that's a bad shout this week either. Mm. I've got five that I'm going for. Yep. Um, this guy at the top, he's playing some outstanding golf. Seventh at the WGC HSBC in China. Second at in Las Vegas end of last year. Ninth in the Desert Classic in January. Sixth at the World Golf Championship in Mexico. Ninth at the Masters. Third at the Harbour Town. Third at the PGA Championship. So now he's contending and hanging around in majors. He's only ever once on the PGA Tour. Um, his words after fi- finishing third at ba- uh, Black uh, Bethpage Black were, I feel like every week I show up extremely prepared and extremely ready to play well, and I have been. I had a lot of nice finishes this year and I'm looking to get some W's. Uh, he was leading here in the back nine last year. Uh, looked like he was going to win, which I was praying that he didn't because I was on DeChambeau. And then he just fell away. A couple of unwanted bogeys towards the end. Mm. Missed the playoff by a spot. But if you're thinking of someone that's in great nick from tee to green, 
got a good scrambling game. And he ranks, I mean, I was pretty shocked by this myself. He ranks in my eight-week putting average tracker, number one in the field. And I've never seen that. Step forward, Patrick Cantlay. Yep, yep. He's very, very close, isn't he? He was uh, he was twenty two to one when we were writing the uh, previews yesterday afternoon, yeah, and just as we were about to press the button, you said to me, "Oh no, Cantley's price has gone." So yeah, I managed to get eighteens, which actually this morning is as low as fourteens in yeah, places. He's been he's going to continue to be back because I think logically he makes a lot of sense every angle that you look at him from. So he's going to mm. he's going to tick a lot of punters' boxes this week. I think we have had obvious winners here since twenty ten. Uh, Matt Kuchar was second at Colonial before he won here. It does happen. It hasn't happened for a while. Um, so if you're looking for a really obvious winner, uh, Steve Stricker was 12th and 13th before he won here. Um, Hideki Matsuama had been the 54-hole leader the week before Colonial. Finished 10th, won this. Mm. So, you know, there are obvious form lines in there, but they're just a little bit hidden over the last few years. But yes, I think Cantley's a very obvious pick. The other guy I just couldn't um, ignore at the top of the market was Matt Kuchar. 10th, 5th, 8th, 2nd, 1st, 4th and 4th. That's one win, four top fives and two top 10 finishes in 13 appearances. Yeah, and he's being hyper-consistent late as well, isn't he? So you couple it all together. you You know how Matt... Kucha wins his events. He's, he, he just progresses through these you know, high finishes and then eventually drops over the line at a ridiculously short price. But uh, you know it's coming as well. That's the problem. Well, of those guys at the very top of the market, Rory, Tiger, Justin Rose, Justin Thomas, Ricky Fowler, I'm not seeing a name there of five big names who are absolutely bulletproof going into this. No, no. No, they've all. You can all lay. You can all put a question mark or a couple of question marks against a number of them. Mm-hmm. I mean, what? You know, they're good players. Clearly, Spieth, Jason Day. But of those, of those guys that were towards the top of the market, with guy, you know, and you're looking at their stats, you're looking at their ball striking, you're looking at their greens in regulation, you're looking at the amount of appearances that they've had recently, as as opposed to not playing recently. Don't forget, Tiger's played once <coughs> since Augusta. Justin Thomas hasn't played at all since Augusta yeah. with his wrist injury. Yeah, so I wouldn't struggling. be I wouldn't be backing Justin Thomas in this when he hasn't played for almost no. two months, and he's eighteen to one. Mm-hmm. So logically, I've gone for the two logical guys. You could you could could make a case for Tony Finau, but as podcast listeners will know, Tony Finau is in my won't back uh, bucket. He, you know, I just won't back him these days. Um, w- there were a couple who came ki- kind of close, Matsuama, but we've been saying that for a long while. Yeah, he's, and, he's still um, not quite right himself, is he? As you say, when when you look down the list, you can you can find a reason to oppose all of them, really, can't you? You know, it's. Some of them are more spurious than others, but um... Hideki Matsuama at Beth Page Black, even though he was, you know, kind of contending and in the last few groups, he was in top. He was sixtieth for greens in regulation. Yeah, if you take the whole, Hideki, th- that's it? not Hideki, is it? If Hideki was third for GIR, yeah, um, yeah, it just doesn't fit. The other one who Barry will clearly love this week. Barry's not on the pod, but I guarantee he's backing him. Will be Gary Woodland. <laughs> 
who is your archetype, hits lots of fairways, hits thousands of greens, can hit it close. It's just whether the putter works mm. for Gary, and it's always that big if. Yeah. Um, so he was another one towards the top that I did take a good close look at. He's also got a couple of top four finishes here. Mm. So that's why I went Cantley and Kuchar, bleeding obvious, concrete over the back of the head kind of bets. Lower down, I almost jumped over this particular individual because I've, I've mentioned him recently and he's done absolutely bugger all. But he kind of hit me between both eyes last week. And it's just how well this guy's playing. I don't think people give him credit. Because at the end of the day, this, this gentleman is 49 years of age. Mm. Yeah, He's crept back into the world top 50. I mean, that's pretty amazing stuff. Sixth at, uh, sixth in Mexico at El Chameleon before Christmas. Ninth at PJ National. Second at Sawgrass. Thirteenth last week at Colonial. He picks courses he knows where length isn't a real problem. Or, you know, you don't have to be hugely long yeah. to be competitive. And he just plays so well. He is eighth on the whole PGA Tour in scoring average. I mean, that's phenomenal at 49 years of age. Yeah, he's been having a decent season. I think missing out on the uh, the Masters this year will have uh, will have hurt him a little bit as well. So, um, you know, he'll be keen to, well, as you say, get into the top 50 for a start to get himself into these big events. And, uh, and well, yeah, he's got into the Open, as we said. He's, yeah. he's snuck into the Open. 15th for Greens in Reg, 13th strokes gained approach, second in proximity to hole across the whole tour. Mm-hmm. Um it's just whether he can putt, and that and he he putted quite nicely at Colonial. I saw a couple of horseshoes towards the start of last on Sunday's round, where literally the ball was in the hole and then just managed to jump out. And yeah. I think that actually got to him. But actually, Jim Furyk is playing some really nice golf at the moment. And if people are sitting and going, oh, he's not long enough. Kyle Stanley, twelve months ago, averaged two hundred and seventy-eight yards off the tee and made the playoff here. Mm-hmm. It is not. A bombing golf course. Now, as you said in the preamble, if you're, it's the kind it of sorry, bad. I shouldn't say that. It's the kind of golf course where bombers can be competitive, but so can Jim Furyk if he's doing exactly how he plays to a very high standard. Yeah, it's if, an open. It's like TPC Sawgrass, isn't it? You can't actually name who's going to win it in terms of their distance or the fact that they play a certain style. But if they play well enough on the week and they mm. can get the ball close on their approaches it doesn't matter who what type of game you've got you've got a chance of winning around here yeah no you know and given how well he was striking the ball at um at the charles schwab last week first for driving actually fourth for greens and regulation jim you, you know you know his long games in in decent enough strength to uh to, to go well i think I just want to put a shout out there for Paddy Power and Betfair Sportsbook this week. They are eight places each way of 50 odds at the um, Memorial this week, which is um, joint best, so eight places each way. But across my predictor model yesterday, they were best or equal best price on six of the ten. Yeah, it's a good game. That is a, yeah, so you're getting brilliant odds and you're getting the most amount of each way places with Pad uh, with Betfair Sportsbook and Paddy Power this week. Mm. So if you haven't got one of their accounts, I would point listeners to get to our website 
and uh, potentially open up a new a new book with these guys because you know as we know and as it, we've got a uh, analysis piece on our website which tracks each way places week in week out paddy power are number 1 across the whole of 2019 for each way places given yeah. and as i just said they're not they're not they're not cutting their odds in half either when they do that no, it's a decent combination at the moment, which uh, should be applauded, as you say. Well, so, well, and also in the Belgian knockout this week, I've just finished doing the um, the golf betting show on that, and you've highlighted this in your betting preview. They're paying out on all quarter finalists in the actual overall tournament market. Yep, indeed, indeed. It's it's been a, a trend in that event uh, or these these. Um, kind of pseudo match play events that have been popping up on the European tour for a while now that um, yeah. a few of the bookies have been going down that route which again yeah gives you gives you more of an option so yeah we'll cover that in a sec but uh, but definitely uh, definitely one to consider this week two more for me a guy that won on Ben Poana Greens last year at um, Montreux where they play the Reno Tahoe the week before that, he finished eighth at Glen Abbey, which again, bent grass mixed with Poana Greens. Both of those golf courses are Jack Nicholas designs. Mm. He's also the sort that when he hits a lot of greens in the putter fires, he can just string together two consecutive tournaments or three consecutive tournaments of good finishes. Yeah. Uh, Andrew Putnam. I've got a point each way. I've got 125, seven place each way, 50 odds with Betfred Sportsbook. Mm. Again, the kind of player that might just pop up in this and shock. But in a world where you've got such great players this week, he's 125 to 1, where I think in a normal standard golf tournament this week, you'd probably be getting 50s, maybe 60 to 1. Yeah, particularly you know, given how well he's been playing. Um, you know, Often these players can take that form forward for another week and... And maintain it, and you know, place or better the following week, and everyone's slapping their forwards afterwards, saying that you know his form was so so bleeding obvious. But oh yeah, but he can't win in them. In but this is it. Oh, you know, William McGurr, he's never going to beat a field that contains uh, seven of the top eleven in the world. Mm. Blah 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 wins. Yeah, it, that's what kind that tends to happen here. It can happen. Yeah. The I was about to send over my preview to you, as you know, Paul, and that, that was it, and then. As I was literally pressing send to 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 publish, I thought to myself, I cannot, I cannot, not include this chap in my in my team this week. So I went for our my favourite and your favourite, Matt Every. Half a point each way, one hundred and seventy-five to one. I got yesterday, seven place each way, fifty odds with our friends at Betfred. Yeah, and you, you know. His form, third in New Orleans, second at Trinity Forest, 17th last week at Colonial. He's, he, he, it's amazing how he's rebuilt his game this season. He's been playing well and um, he's, he's starting to putt well again, which is noticeable from, uh, from seeing how he's progressing through each of his rounds each week. Um, I kept a close eye on him last week because I had him, again, part of a few of my DraftKings teams and he, he plays some tidy stuff. Who would you say on the whole of the PGA Tour is the best putter in terms of putting average? Well, right now, is it, is it, is it Matt Every right now, is it? Matt Every. Really? Really? On no, the PGA, you know, statistic, the official statistic, he's number one for putting average above Jordan Spieth and above 
Justin Rose, who's been playing well recently. Mm. No, I, I like like Matt Every this week. I'm, I'm on Matt as well. I've got my normal first round leader losing punt on him. I was I was gonna. I tell you what, I was gonna. Admit, I was gonna get rid of him because for me, he hasn't been hitting enough fairways recently. Mm. But actually, if it's you look wider, at his. Well, this is it. It's wider here. And if you look at his performance a few weeks ago when he finished second behind Sun Kang over in uh, at Texas at Trinity Forest, yeah, you go, oh, God, he was 51st for driving accuracy. Yeah, but he almost hit 80% of fairways. And I could see the same kind of thing this week where actually he might be ranked in like the low 50s for driving accuracy. That's still going to make him mid sixties to high sixties for actual fairways he's standing on. Yeah. And recently, twenty eighth and fourteenth for greens in regulation in his last two outings. And as you said, um, first for putting average at the Byron Nelson, and he was seventh last week for putting average at the Charles Fob Challenge. His mm. putting is absolutely top draw at the moment. Sixth here on course debut back in twenty thirteen. So he can play the course when he's in great nick. And actually, his two PGO Tour victories have been at another golf course, which for me are a kind of ball striker's alley, Bay Hill. Yep. Oh, yeah. So he can yeah. win. Yep. I know there's some correlation there without any shadow of doubt. I think it's a good, a good punt at the price. I think he's a very good punt this week. Um, as I say, I've done him first round leader as well, which I tend to do most weeks. So, um, that goes it's, got, it's, got, it's got to come good at one week, Steve. It's got to. Surely. It could be this week, mate. I got he he um every he he really grinded that out last week. Mm. You know that that for me wasn't a Matt Every kind of tournament. It's blowing twenty five, Mark Gustin twenty five mile an hour for three of the four days. It isn't a birdie fest. It isn't anything in double digits that wins. I know that Nar got the 13. I do. He was the only player in double digits. Yeah. But he, he actually dug in there, didn't he? Mm-hmm. And he was there or thereabouts on the leaderboard the whole week. Um, yeah. That says to me a player that's actually playing with a level of confidence and desire. Mm-hmm. I would not be surprised to see him just pop up this week at all. No. No, I think I think at the price, he's, uh, you've got to, got to take a chance on him, I think. Who do you fancy at a, at a, at a price this week? Well, I'd say I've, I've backed every. Uh, the other two that I've backed are Carl Stanley, who absolutely loves it here. Um, mm. He's third in 2013, sixth in 17. As you said earlier, he lost his playoff last year to, to Bryson. Um, I think what's interesting when you look at those performances, particularly over the last couple of years, is his putting here has been particularly strong. Yeah, which is his weakness. Yeah. yeah, it is. Yeah, you know, he's he's a great ball striker. We know how good a ball striker he is, and generally, um, it's the putter that really lets him down and prevents him from contending and winning more tournaments than perhaps he should. But um, he's been second and fifth for putting average the last two times that he's played here. Um, he was sixth for putting average at Quail Hollow, and his penultimate start, he finished eighth overall, I think, that week. Um, miscut at Beth Page, but I'm not overly concerned with that. As you say, he's not the longest of the team. Beth Page was a brutal track. Um, bring him back to a track that he clearly gets on with. Um, at eighty to one, I thought he was worth taking the chance on, Carl Stanley. Yeah. Uh, and the other one that I've kept faith in after backing him last week was Jason Duffner, who 
one here back in 2017, as you described a few minutes ago, with that kind of um, decent position, collapse, then uh, recovery on the Sunday to take the title. Um, 125 to 1 and actually I, I gotta say I backed him last week and he was in decent spot after two rounds he shot 67 68 to start he was fifth going into the weekend and um, he led going into the Sunday at Quail Hollow a few weeks back as well so uh, there's, there's something percolating with Duffner and I think again on a track that he really um, gets on with and suits his game and um, I thought he was worth taking on again at 125 to 1 was Stick with him. And I know what will happen if I don't take him and um, leave him out this week. I expect he'll, he'll feature. So um, I thought he was a fair price to take another chance on this week. Mm. Big but, price, that, for Duffner. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's a lot of big prices as you go down the list. As you say, this, it's so top-heavy, this tournament. You know, There's so many players in there you could make a, you know, 80 90% of a case for. Mm. Um, you know, It's pushing some of those players those named players down to prices that you wouldn't expect you know a, a Jordan Spieth at 22s a Jason Day at 22s it's only Fino who's you know close last week 25 to 1 in places so the impact of that is that these kind of mid to longer price players there are some really juicy prices out there and you've seen it you know you've described it already there's scope for this tournament to produce three figure winners it it that one hundred twenty-five to one on Daphne is a is the wrong price because mm. he's as short as eighty to one with a couple of other bookmakers. That's the kind of price he should be. Yeah, and he is showing he he is percolating quite nicely. Mm. Um, I tell you another player I think from a DraftKings perspective could be a very very uh, worthy addition to your team. Uh, I know this is more your area of expertise, but I think that Talor Gooch. Yep. Yep. I know he was he, high up on he, your... he fired at a closing 67 on Sunday. And you look at him statistically for what you want here, he's pretty perfect. Yeah. Never played the course. Um, and that's what put me off from a betting perspective. But he seemed to... He must have had some form of injury. Because don't forget, he was set, he was in the top two or three, wasn't he? As uh, Torrey Pines. Um, he had a run of a couple of decent, very strong finishes in California in January. And that's secured his playing privileges for next year. He's got no worries, no pressures on him. Yeah. And he played, I think it was the Knoxville Open a few weeks ago on the web.com just to kind of start getting some oil on the wheels. And then he, he played nicely last week, top 30 at Colonial on his first PGA Tour start for a while. I think Gooch, could uh, he, his game will suit this place down to the ground. Mm. And he's going to be a cheap price on DraftKings. Yeah, yeah. I was just having a quick look to see exactly what his price was actually. Where's six, he at? 6'9", so, mm. so yeah, I noticed he, he popped up on the uh, the predictor output, I think, as well. So, um, yeah, there's a few a few that caught my eye from a DraftKings perspective. perspective. Matt Jones, 6'5". Um, I think that uh, Johnny Vegas is close. Whether it's this week, I think I actually prefer him next week, I think, Vegas. Um, but um, he <laughs> what well. on a course where he's in fact no scrap that they're not playing um, they're not playing uh, Glen Abbey next week in Canada right okay they switched it back to um, the golf course that Scott Piercy won on a few years ago right okay Royal Montreal it might be materially different is it mm. this is one for next week this discussion I it is one for next week um, I think it's your typical <coughs> Canadian classical tree-lined yeah. golf course. So 
Vegas is one that you'd have in mind for that, yeah. Yes, indeed, indeed. But yeah, um, Joaquin Neiman's a, a late entry into the field. He um, did well last year. He's sitting at 7-3 yeah. on DraftKings. So there was there were no odds for him um, just before we came on air to, to record this today. So it'll be interesting to see what price he does pop up at. But it would suggest it's... 150, I'm saying. 150 come up in the meantime. So yeah, that's... It's the it's more a hundred to a hundred and twenty five is readily available and wacky, but we said last week, didn't we? Bent grass greens, um, it will start to come back. Yeah. His play will start to come back because he'll Indeed. actually start making some putts. Yeah, he was reasonable he? last week. He was reasonable last week in um, in Texas. Yeah. No, is it, you know, clearly we know that he's a talented player and when the courses come back round that suit his game a little bit more, then I wouldn't be surprised to see him start to feature. Just to clarify, the Canadian Open next week is Hamilton Golf and Country Club. It isn't Royal Montreal. But yes, it's it's not uh, Glen Abbey where they played it for the last right. four or five years. Right, I think that is, that... is that us for the memorial? I think so, yeah. yeah. Let's talk Belgian... The, uh... not- Let's talk Belgian knockout. Yeah, the Belgian knockout, which is the. Good. It uh, was a good tournament last year. I enjoyed it, but then I suppose you did pick up the winner, which helps. Yeah, yeah. It's, um, Adrian Otegi got the job done for us last year, and um, it was again. It's one of these innovative events from the European Tour that's um, that's catching on, and they're trying different things. And again, um, these they tend to tend to be well received, don't they? I, I don't think any of these alternative format or ideas that they've tried people have turned around and said oh, you know, that didn't work waste of time that was I think these you know, they're well supported they're well hosted this year again it's Thomas Peters who's hosting it with his family who all have different roles and jobs as part of the uh, part of the tournament um, and yes it's second second year of this particular event the Belgian knockout back to Rinkven International Golf Club in Antwerp in Belgium and um it's, I guess the best way to describe it is a hybrid stroke play. Um, got to be careful not to use the word match play here because they're not actually playing match play. They're playing um, nine whole matches that are based on stroke play. But let me take you through the format before I tie myself completely in knots. Um, the players play two rounds of 18 whole stroke play as per normal for the first two rounds. So for Thursday, Friday, nothing much changes over a normal event. The cut is made at 64, and if there are people tied for 64th place, they'll perform a or they'll they'll be in part of a playoff to see who progresses through to the weekend. So once we got down to 64, going into Saturday morning, the the players there are then split into two lots of 32. Um, the players who are at the top of the leaderboard are seeded all the way down to the uh, the players who've clearly finished 64th. And then 32 of the players go off and play the front nine, 32 of the players go and play the back nine in head-to-head nine-hole matches. So they're based right. on stroke play. Um, so their cumulative stroke play score over those nine holes is what counts. And the winner at the end of those nine-hole matches... Um, then progresses through to the next round. If there's a tie at the end of it, again, they play off to see who progresses through to the next round. Can so I ask I'm... you a question? Because this yeah, jumped then... into my mind when I was reading through this, when I was recording the golf betting show earlier. Mm. So you've got half the field playing the front nine and then half the field playing the back nine. Is that correct? Yep. 
And but they don't change all during Saturday. They only play that one side of the golf course. As I understand it, yeah. Wow. So just to keep, yeah, just to keep it. I can simple. see why they're doing it. Yeah, yeah, just to, just to, for logistic reasons. I guess they need to keep it as simplistic as possible. But yeah, yeah. I, I suppose be... there's no real disadvantage or advantage because at the end of the day, one when when you actually get to the Sunday, and are, are you playing still nine holes on the Sunday as well? Yeah, yeah. There's still nine hole matches. So um, there, and there are some subtle differences between the nines as well because it's a par seventy one. There's a par five on both sides but there is a reachable par four on the back nine so depending how it falls in terms of where you are as a player you could you know a longer player for instance could be better suited to the back nine um, and it could yeah. work to their benefit that way but if you're going to try and second guess as to whether a player no, first no, no. is going to get through um, and then where they're going to finish on the leaderboard to dictate where they're going to play on the Saturday yeah. Sunday yeah good luck with that um, yeah. So, so yeah, I think you just got to assume your players got to firstly get through to the weekend, and from there, um, then they've got these uh, these three rounds of nine hole matches on Saturday. Um, if you get through that, then you've got again three rounds of nine hole matches on Sunday. So you've got the quarterfinal, semis, and the final on Sunday. Now, in terms of betting, it is interesting because you alluded to it earlier. Generally, with these match play events, most of the bookies historically have gone four places each way, quarter the odds on the semi-finalists. So you'd need to get a player through to the semis to get a get an each-way return um, at a quarter of the odds. A few of the bookies this week, um, namely Betfair, Paddy Power, Ball Sports and Sporting Bet, have each gone um, each way top eight a fifth of the odds so if your player gets through to the quarterfinals yeah. so essentially if your player makes it through to Sunday they're in the money getting an each way return mm. at a fifth of the odds so that's if you bet the outright market the alternative is to bet the 36 hole leader market so that's where the stroke play um, in its ordinary sense will finish so you can bet who will be leading as they go into the into the weekend um, and again similar to the way that the world super six sets up this offers an alternative way to take the um the matches out of the equation which you know it could you could get a player who finishes top of the leaderboard after 36 holes and gets knocked out in the first round of the matches um, yeah, and then yeah if you've only backed him out right you'd be pretty peeved to have uh, to have achieved that um, equally, your player may scrape through in a playoff into 64th place and then go on to win the whole tournament. And in that respect, then you'd be pretty happy. So <laughs> there are different ways to play this, of course. Um, I, 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 what I did last year, um, and I've done the same when I go through my final selections in a second, um, I've split my stake equally between both markets, so the outright market and the 36-hole leader market, and just backed the player that I found or the three players that I fancy in both markets for equal stakes right. so you've effectively got a chance then to get both the 36 hole winner and the outright winner should someone do that um, and of course if some if one of your players is languishing in the 64th place going into the weekend they still have a chance of winning the overall tournament um, if they can uh, progress through the matches so um I like that approach. It does mean that you're relatively restricted on how, how many players you're going to back because you don't want to. I don't think you should be doubling your stake this week to, to cover off five or six players in both markets. I think that would be a little excessive in a, in a format that is um, a little bit quirky. 
But um, yeah, it's, other than that, I think it's a, a, a bit of fun um, to see if your players can progress through and then uh, uh, see how they fare in the matches on Sunday or Saturday and Sunday. Um, going back to the going back to the actual course itself, um, as I say, we only played it last year, so it's um, we've only got one year's worth of data to go on. But it is a, um, a partially tree lined par seventy one, um, sub seven thousand yards, six nine twenty four. And as I said a second ago, there's only a couple of par fives on it. So it's, it doesn't set itself up massively as a bomber's track. It tends to be players who are quite neat and tidy from tee to green. So if you look at the player who, was, who finished top of the 36-hole leader market last year, Jorge Campillo at 8-under, uh, he at the time, after 36 holes, was first for driving accuracy, fifth for greens in regulation. Um, Benjamin Hebert, who finished runner-up to Adrian Otegi in the match play, again, after those 36 holes where his stats were recorded, he was sitting fifth for accuracy, first for greens and regulation. So both of those players were particularly strong from tee to green. Now, if you look at Otegi's stats, his stats for the week were far worse than those two, but he played particularly well over the weekend from tee to green and uh, clearly hold enough putts to win the... Uh, the matches so um again you've got to take the stats with a pinch of salt i think but um, for me i think um how a player performs with his green um, green to regulation how he approaches uh you know his second shot and in from there bogey minimization making birdies at the right time in the matches i think there's you know there's there's a number of ways to look at this right um, the greens here, uh, the Pioneer based. Um, I've, I've seen them quoted as Pioneer, and they, they are Pioneer greens. However, each year they overseed them deliberately, overseed them with bent grass to, to try and make them as close to bent grass as possible. Yeah, because Pioneer's awful in the summer, isn't it? It's it's difficult yeah. for it to survive. Uh, yeah. So yeah, I've I've seen, seen it quoted. It with yeah, yeah. So, and, and I think over the course of the year, each year the, the power grows back through, and they have to go through this cycle each year. Um, but they attempt to get it to about 80% um, bent grass by the time they play the tournament. So I've, I've classed it predominantly as bent, but um, there clearly is a little bit of parana in there. And, and okay. so that, that's the way it will play effectively. Um, I, I guess the whole of this makes for an interesting uh, betting market because you've got the two different ways to attack the event in terms of whether you go for the outright market or the 36-hole leader. Um from an outright perspective, and you know, it's, it's a bit odd from a uh, from a, an event that we normally look at. The favourite Thomas Peters starts at twenty two to one. So often we look at any event now nowadays, even on the European Tour, and the the favourite will be eight, nine, single, ten to one, single digits. Yeah, yeah, very close to single digit. Even Thomas Peters, who tends to be the perennial favourite when we come into any of these events on the European Tour, tends to be that kind of price. Yeah. So twenty two to one tells you a story. And from there. Uh, Thomas Dietrich thirty to one in places. Burnt Wiesberger last week's winner thirty three to one. Adrian Atagi last year's winner thirty three to one. Then you're into forty to one for the rest of the field. So um, it quickly um, gets to a decent uh, well scenario where you're getting some decent prices on on players from the outright market. Right. And the the thirty six hole leader market's not dissimilar either. So um, I don't think you can look at this and and. You know, disregard players simply because they're far too short. Because I don't think there are players who are far too short. I think you've just got to take a take a view on um, the players that you fancy to go well here and uh, and 
decide how you're going to play it from an outright and a 36-hole leader perspective. Um, I've gone with three. Um, yeah, and you've done this in the past. You just combine the two kinds of bets, <coughs> don't you? Yeah, I don't, this is the way I played it last year, and this is the way I played the um, the Super Six as well. And um, it does give you two bites of the uh, bites of the cherry, effectively, um, and two chances to get through. Of course, if you if all of your three players miss the cut, then um, you've got nothing going into the weekend. But uh, you know, let's let's hope that we get a slightly more positive result than that. Um, the first one I've gone through is Chris Paisley. Um, one thing I noted from the likes of um, Campillo and from uh, Ategi is their incoming form last year was particularly uh, consistent. And if you look at Paisley, <coughs> excuse me, 14 cuts from his last 16 made, it's particularly consistent uh, form. He was eighth in the Web.com Tour Championship last year, just missed out on his PGA Tour card, actually. Yeah. Um, ninth for the Ned Bank, ninth in Omar. That's going to be man, dying it. Fourth last week. Um, Do it quietly. Yeah. Fourth last week, um, closed with a 65, which was the joint best of the day with uh, uh, SSP Chow Asia. And uh, he opened with a 68 last week as well, just two off the lead after day one. So some, some good stuff there. <coughs> Dear me. Um, he was 12 under for the par fours as well last week, which I think is a key aspect to this. You know, in a track where there are only a couple of par fives, if you're playing well and scoring well on the par fours, then um, that, that's not a bad angle to look at. And with Paisley, I regard him as a, a putter. That's yeah. really his key strength. Yeah, so, when I, so when I see him um, hitting greens and regulation, 72.2% last week, he was top 10 for greens and regulation. That's a green light for me to, to get involved because we know he's a good player when he's on form. We know he can yeah. hold form as well. So he finished fifth at the uh, Paul Laurie match play in 2017 um, and then third the week or his next start at the Maiden Denmark. He won yeah. the South African Open last year and then he was fifth in Abu Dhabi yeah. and fifth in Dubai the next two weeks after I mean, that, that as well. To win, a, to win the South African Open, that's a high-profile golf tournament around Glendower. <laughs> and yeah. that's that again is your typical South African tree line bent grass dominated affair, isn't it? Yeah, it's absolutely. Although Glendower's a long old golf course, isn't it? Well, it is, but it's at it's, altitude. Um, it's at altitude as well. I, I think when I equated Glendower, I looked at it as around about a six nine. So this is really uh, yeah. okay. I think it measures. I think it measures seven five, maybe close to seven six. But you've got to allow ten percent or so at Glendower. For yeah, the, yeah, yeah. But the, the kind of golf course where the, even the short hitters aren't. They're not coming in with long irons they're covered in with shorter irons yeah, yeah absolutely yeah and uh, as you say um, bent grass greens he dominated that week in terms of putting 1.52 putts per greens regulation he got that week in Glendale on, mm. on his way to oh, victory and yeah. Um, mm. so yeah it's, it, there's a lot of similarities there and I think his incoming form kind of suits that as well and uh, his putter again has been warming up over the last few weeks um, 1.73 of the Hassan Dirt and 1.69 last week and I think a player that's combining a very you know, a good putting ability, full stop, alongside some uh, some decent approach plays, you know, as a player to be feared. Yeah, Ninth like Paisley. Paul, yeah, absolutely. Ninth of the Paul Laurie in twenty sixteen, the match play event that was held there. Fifth in twenty seventeen. Um, narrowly lost out to Alejandro Canizares, um in the what would have been the, the round of sixteen to go. Oh no, it's the the, the quarterfinals to go. Quarterfinals, I made it. Yeah, yeah, to go into the semis. Um, and again, we're not talking pure uh, match play here. So again, you have to take a, any match play performances with a pinch of salt. Although it is 
you know, one-on-one, man-on-man, um, you know, matches. So there's got to be some correlation, even though you can't compare it directly, I guess. Um, but he did quote after after that performance at the Paul Laurie in 2017 that he finds it easy to get into a positive mindset when he's playing match play. And I think, again, this is the kind of scenario where they're playing nine holes. They can, you know, they, they look into the whites of each other's eyes eyes, and, uh, and, and, and you know, they're competing against each other. I, I can see that. You know, the scoring might be based on stroke play, but they've still got to outperform their opponent over those nine holes. And um, I, th- I think, uh, you know, you add it all together, there's a lot to like with Paisley this week. Yeah, um, yeah, four, yeah. Forty to one, I took him um, outright with eight places, and forty to one also in the um, thirty-six hole leader market. Um, two more facts: I, I could see no reason whatsoever not to back Adrian Otegi, and I, I know back in the defending champion um, has its own challenges. But um, this will be the first time that he has actually defended. He's won the Paul Laurie match play in 2017, but didn't get a chance to defend it because it's uh, it dropped off the schedule. Um, he won this clearly last year, so this will be his first time. Um, it'll be interesting to see how, how he performs, but given that he's won that Paul Laurie, he's won this um, hybrid format, he very nearly won this Super 6 earlier this year. Um, again, we backed him for that, and he got all the way through to the final. And up until the final, yeah. he looked every part the winner. Um, he was playing the best golf of all the players there. He looked assured, and um, it looked like it was just going to be a procession to the uh, to picking up the trophy. And then he ran into Ryan Fox in the final there, and, and over that short six hole format, um, he couldn't compete. He went down quickly, and uh, he couldn't recover. Um, but I think there's a lot to like with the tag, given that he obviously likes the format. He scraped through um, on the number last week in Denmark, um, so he only just made the cut, but he's improved massively over the weekend, and only two players in the field, and that was the uh, the top two, Wiesberger and McIntyre, actually um, uh, outperformed him, outscored him over the weekend. That included in bogey in the final hole as well. Um, so he, I think he found a little bit of form last year, or last week, and Given that those two wins that he's uh, that we talked about already on the European Tour both came off decent performances the, the event before, I think yeah. taking that little bit of momentum into this week could be positive for him as well. Okay. Um, yeah, other than that, I mean, he missed the cut on Hillside. He narrowly missed the cut at the US PGA Championship. So I think the I'm reason... about that. Yeah, again, yeah, and there's not much to, to, to worry about. But um, before that, 10th in India, 25th in Morocco. Back end of last year, 3rd in Turkey, 4th in uh, Dubai at the Earth Course. You know, these there's, there's some decent form in decent fields there. And uh, I think combine a little bit of a flash of form at the back end of last week and um, his liking of this format of golf, I think that's, um, I think he could go particularly well this week. The final one I've gone for is Alejandro Canisares, who again showed a bit of uh, a bit of form last week. Um, he's eighty to one in the outright market, eight places, and ninety to one. I took him thirty-six hole leader. Um, he's another one of these guys who's been working with Robert Rock and Robert Rock's team on his swing and uh, making some subtle changes. And, um, another player who's been working with Rock is Matt Wallace, and we've seen what uh, good that's done Matt Wallace over the last uh, last 
you know, few months and uh, the period of time that he's been working with uh, with Rock, he's really stepped up to the next level. And um, I think Canisaris is starting to see the um, output of those changes now. Um, we saw him after some poor form. We saw him lead, um, well, close close to the lead in Amman after day one. He was fourth there after day one, second after day one in Morocco, um, mm. seventh going into the weekend before falling away. He was he was leader last week in Denmark after. The first day, second going into the weekend, finished ninth overall. Um, he went so, completely off the grid, didn't he? He did. He, clear, yeah. he clearly had some huge problems with elements of his game, and now, yeah, you have seen it just percolating on leaderboards. Uh, you know, since we moved into the spring and early summer. Yeah. So he, um, he's moving forward in his game. Yeah, he is, and I, th- I think it's, it's interesting that he's, he's gradually getting more consistent over yeah. over the, the the length of the entire tournament. So from that Oman effort where he did start well and then missed the cut the second day, I think he shot eighty three the second day and, and missed the cut. Morocco, yeah. where he was seventh going into the weekend and finished kind of fortieth or thereabouts, and then yeah. uh, the last week, um, first second going into the weekend, and then um, still finished in the top ten. So there's some consistency mm. consistency building into his game, and uh, just reading what he's tweeting and what he's saying on Twitter, he seems to be very pleased with how things are progressing as well. Um, he became a, became a father mid February, so clearly home life's happy, settled back into the swing of. Uh, playing golf now um, and swapping golf clubs or nappies for golf clubs over the last few weeks. So back to back to what he does best. And uh, again, if you look at his Paul Laurie match play form, uh, 17th there on debut, fifth the year after, fourth, so made it through to the semi-finals on his last start in 2017. Um, I, I, I particularly like him for the 36-hole leader market, I must say, because the way that he's been trending, where he's been starting tournaments well and then, um, you know gradually improving over those three tournaments we talked about but uh, but not actually winning the event in terms of a straight play tournament yeah, I think yeah. it could be very close to the lead after just freewheeling it Thursday Friday yeah, before exactly. it gets before it gets tricky mentally indeed and then yeah. um, but with some decent match play form from the Paul Laurie perhaps he'll take to this format as well when the uh... and his home course is Valderrama so yeah, I mean is, that, yeah. that equates that equates very nicely to round here claustrophobic tree line yeah yeah tree line bent grass you know there's, again there's some, some correlation there to, uh, to to get your get your teeth into as well so so yes those, those are the three that I picked out and fancy again you could make a case for more um, quite readily but um, I think in this format and if you you are backing splitting the stake and backing them across both markets as I have, then I think you need to be quite restrictive as to how many players that you're you're putting up this week. But um, that's the way I'm playing it anyway. Um, any catch your eye, Steve? No, I'll bow to your expertise this week. I was, I was <laughs> deep into the memorial. I haven't had any chance to look at it whatsoever. Mm. But yes, I can follow your logic. I also mm. think that if you can find a putter, a natural putter that's got the habit of hitting greens as they arrive at a match play or a, that kind of face-to-face, head-to-head type battle, mm. um, that's a dangerous con- concoction, isn't it? Yeah, it is. I remember, I remember Brett Rumford, he won that first... Um, yeah, I know it was his home six, course yeah. in Carignup uh, down in Perth. Mm. But, you know, you look at a guy that's pretty much a natural-born putter. Um, if, if you can hit that guy that's actually comfortable tee to green and then finding lots of chances to convert they're very very dangerous in this kind of format 
There are, and if you look at uh, Rumford that week, he did he led after the stroke play element after fifty four holes as it is in Perth, and then went on to mm. win the overall thing as well. So had you have played it the way that I've played this week, then you'd have ended up with two outright winners for that. Absolutely. So that's mm. the plan for this week. Fingers crossed. And I think in Peters and Dietrich, the two Belgians who clearly won the World Cup mm. before Christmas, you're going to have two guys there under pressure at their home event, which they're not used to. They're not used to playing. No, no, no. And Peters is part of the part of the setup this week as well. So there'll mm. be there'll be responsibilities for him to uh, to get to, get his teeth into for the week yeah. as well, which will detract from his preparation. So um, yeah, he's, he's a fiery character at the best of times, isn't he, Peters? So. You know, he's always apt to blow up every now and again. And if he has a bad nine holes on Sunday or Saturday, then that's him out of the tournament. Brilliant. Thank you. I think a really strong takeout this week as well with Betfair and Sportsbook. Uh, sorry, what am I talking about? Betfair, Sportsbook and Paddy Power in terms of they're offering the eight mm. places both on your tournament, which is a fantastic uh, promotion, also on the, on the, um, on the memorial and that eight places each way on, on the PGA Tour is something they regularly do anyway mm. on full field events. So uh, that's well worth recognising. Paul, I appreciate your time this week. It's been uh, it's been very enjoyable. Let's hope for uh, let's hope for some decent performances from our players this week. Yeah, so it's luck. a week of golf I always look forward to. I always love Memorial. Yeah, yeah, some some good golf to be uh, to be viewed over the weekend. What have you got next week? It's the it's that Golf Super Six Malarkey, um, the weekend um, event. So, um, that so you be, won't be partaking. That will be a blank week for me. So we'll, we'll just be focusing on the Canadian Open R- next week. RBC Canadian Open, yes, absolutely. So and our, uh, and our US Open preview um, or pre-event preview at some point at the back end of next week. Yeah, we'll be recording that next week. Paul, thank you. Yeah, best of luck. Thanks to the listeners, as ever, and uh, we will be back again next week. If you want to follow Paul and myself, I'm at Bamford Golf. Paul is at Golf Betting on Twitter. Thank you, and we'll see you again very soon. Goodbye.